school is one of the first means of socialization for students. So in, in, order, in order for a child to be properly socialized, they kind of have to include things that don't just develop them as these intellectual beings that are to take in knowledge and reiterate the knowledge in the same way, but as, as global citizens. What is going to be the role of the NSSC in the Ministry of Education and Youth yard to yard Find the Child initiative? Really actually, in order, for, in order for the ministry to go yard to yard, they need to know the yard and we can help them. The digital divide has really been a setback to students who do not have the necessary resources to access the online platforms and this, this can affect them in the years to come. Welcome to another episode of Checkmate, a political podcast from Tenement Yard Media. You can follow us on Twitter at tenementyard underscore, and you can visit our website at www.tenementyardmedia. I'm the host for this episode. My name is Paige, and in this episode, we will be speaking with Daniel Jordan Daly about the reform of education, specifically secondary school education in Jamaica. Um, Daniel Jordan Daly is the Assistant Vice President of the National Secondary Schools Council, the NSSC. Um, she's also the representative of Region 1 of the NSSC and, a, and the Student Council President-elect at the St. Hughes High School for Girls. Thank you so much for joining me today, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so um, just to give our listeners a bit of an overview about the, the report, the Reform of Education in Jamaica report for 2021 was launched on January 14, 2022. Um, it was developed by the Jamaica Education Transformation Commission, the JETC, which is headed by the renowned sociologist Dr. Orlando Patterson, uh, the report is a blueprint for the establishment of a comprehensive strategy to improve student performance and educational productivity across the sector. The 342-page document has 54 prioritized recommendations, which include governance and accountability, early childhood education, teaching curriculum and teacher training, tertiary education, technical and vocational education training, infrastructure and technology, and finance. Um, for the Reform of Education report, um, it utilizes aspects of the UNICEF 2021 report, Students Reimagine the Jamaica Education System. That's the title of that UNICEF report. Um, between January and February of 2021, UNICEF and the National Secondary Schools Council held a series of consultations with 10 groups of high school students across the island, including students with disabilities, students in juvenile centers and in state care, student leaders from across various schools and a general representation from schools in both urban and rural Jamaica. A total of 74 students participated in the focus group discussion, 44 of whom were girls and 30 of whom were boys. Um, in addition to the focus group consultations, UNICEF also conducted a U-Report poll to access the views of high school age students on reimagining education in Jamaica. Of the 516 high schoolers who responded to the poll, 
73% were female and 27% was male. Um, the finding of the U report polls were distilled into that report. And from the report, 10 cornerstone choices emerged about how students want the Jamaican education sector to be dealt with. Um, students want an inclusive education system that caters for all types of learners. Um, they want student-teacher collaboration for a better learning experience. Students want empathy and compassion. They want parent and teacher motivation. Students want real-life experience in the classroom and a varied curriculum that caters to their, their interests. Um, students want leadership skills and they want to be heard. They want to engage in physical activity. They desire an active and engaging classroom. And students Among also other want things outlined, outlined in the documents. Um, one of the most highly covered portions is the ranking of traditional and non-traditional schools in Jamaica. So according to the report, the top three traditional secondary schools are Glenmuir High School, Wilma's Girls High School, and St. Jago High School, respectively. The top three non-traditional high schools are Dintill Technical High, Denby High, and Edwin Allen High School, respectively. Focusing only on the value-added results among traditional schools, Merle Grove emerges as the school that offers the greatest value added to its incoming students based on the CSEC results, while Campion performs best in value added based on its CAPE pass rate. Among non-traditional schools, St. Mary High contributed the highest value added based on the CSEC exams, while Bluefield High, Belmont Academy, had the best value added based on the CAPE results. The schools were ranked using a value added approach. The value added approach was developed to get around this problem and to provide a better means for evaluating the relative performance of school, schools. The term value added refers to the value that a school or teacher adds or contributes to the achievement growth and economic performance of their students over and above what students themselves and their background characteristics bring to the school. So my first question for you, Daniel, is can you expound on the value-added approach used by the Education Transformation Commission to evaluate the relative performance of schools and what the organization would like to see come of the data outlined in the ranking? Okay, sure. So it's based on the based on how NSFC analyzed the report, the value-added approach essentially it individualizes certain schools. Because as you had said, you know, schools are relative. The performance is relative because not all schools in Jamaica are the same. So the value-added approach kind of, it, it ranks schools not just based on the statistics given by their external examinations, but by the school's like holistic performance. So how the school does based on the school standard. So if so, so it's, it's kind of calculated by, it gives a percentage that depicts the expected performance of the school. So let's say the school is expected to have a 50% or, or rather a 30% pass rate. And it compares that, that the actual the expected pass rate to the actual pass rate that the school has. So let's say that the school is expected to have a pass rate of 30%. And it, then it actually gets a pass rate of 50%. The value added rank would be 20% as the school has like a 20% better pass rate than it was expected. Now, I, from the findings, we, we saw that the value added um, rank can either be positive or negative, not being good or bad, but being, it's either that the school performed better than it was expected or not as, not, not up to the expected result. 
No, yeah, and, and, and I think that this value-added approach gives a more holistic view of schools mm -hmm. rather than just relying on test results alone. Definitely. There are many recommendations outlined in the document, um, one of which is one of which has been supported by many other persons in the educational sector, which is um, mandating a greater emphasis on both primary and secondary schools related to civics, history, and citizenship, as well as um, review and appropriately advise children's curricula to include resilience with a focus on moral behavior, conflict resolution skills, the promotion of mental health, um, skills in negotiation, coping with disasters, adapting to changes um, in norms driven by climate emergencies or um, pandemics like the one we're currently in. Can you expound on the Education Transformation Commission's recommendation to, quote, mandate a greater emphasis in both primary and secondary schools related to civics, history, and citizenship, end quote? Okay, sure. So essentially what's going on is that they have recognized now that school is one of the first means of socialization for yes. students. So in, in, order, in order for a child to be properly socialized, they kind of have to include things that don't just develop them as these intellectual beings that are to take in knowledge and reiterate the knowledge in the same way, but as, as global citizens. So from the council's perspective, this will essentially allow for students to not just develop as intellectual beings, but as global citizens, they will be, give, they'll be immersed into this they will not just be immersed into the science of matter and biology, but also the science of being a participative citizen, which is essentially what we want. Yes. Because a lot of times when a child or not a child, when an adult isn't able to, to, to find a solution to various problems, that being local, regional, international, we kind of question their, their inability to do such a thing. But we, we fail to recognize that they weren't taught to do these things as a child or as a student. So with this, the, the students are... They're, they're, they're taught these skills so that by the time they get they get to adulthood or even during their adolescence, they, they're able to tackle certain problems head on. So so they will not just learn how to write about the now, but expand on then. Because as said, it also wants to place a lot of emphasis on history. Mm. And lot of times we, we don't really see that history tends to repeat itself. So we tend to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. But with placing such an emphasis on history, we kind of, reduce the you know re reduce the the what's the word re reduce something happening again a certain mistake happening mm -hmm. again no yeah and i think that it may seem like a very simple suggestion but what it ultimately plays into is the development of jamaica's greatest resource which is our people definitely um you know definitely. it starts in schools and of course we know that depending on someone's life and upbringing it may or may not happen at home but the least we can do as a country is provide that kind of you know provide that space within a school for folks to think about things and be experienced to problem solving and as you said history is so important citizenship and civics and what it means to be a jamaican and what your responsibility is as a jamaican to your classmates your family your wider community and the world you know yeah. Um, the report noted that uh, a main function of the education system is to transmit the cultural heritage to a new generation. Um, as, as we mentioned before, subjects such as history and civics would be considered mandatory throughout schools at all levels and as such a supplement to the educational philosophy of the country. 
history as a subject helps students to understand the evolution of their society and how people and society behave. This is especially crucial for societies like Jamaica that were once colonized. History as a subject is not taught at the primary level and is offered as an optional um, experience at the secondary level. The NSC utilizes themes from civics as a problem-solving approach at grades one to four and only as a discrete subject at grades seven to nine. Some schools treat civics only as an enrichment area rather than a core curriculum that must be a timetable of all schools. So my question to you, or well, my ask to you, is if you can expound upon the Education Transformation Committee's recommendation to implement nationally available extracurricular activities that centralize coordination, shared monitoring, evaluation, and learning, and that provide a budget for extracurricular activities in schools. Examples of funding extracurricular activities that NSSC would like to see introduced in Jamaica's um, secondary schools. Okay, so just to, just to you know give a little bit of a background as to why this is so necessary. A lot of times in, in Jamaican culture, especially, we see um, extracurricular activities as the norm for the, the middle to upper class and as a luxury that is deprived that that individuals in the lower class are deprived of. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a beautiful opportunity for all students to be immersed in various opportunities outside of school. A lot of times, certain extracurricular activities are not accessible to all schools in Jamaica. So really and truly, we want to see extracurriculars that stress on the arts because I think we all know that in Jamaica we have a culture of you know not not really embracing the arts. While we have an admiration for it, definitely have an admiration yes. for it. We, when a, when a student says that they want to go into art, it's kind of just like a push and pull, which is which is very ironic considering we're such a creative um creative country. So we really do want to see extracurriculars that stress on the arts because the arts can really help to develop a child's mind or a student's mind, allow them to think to think on their toes, to think on their feet. So when, when we say arts, we don't mean just the, the visual arts, but the literary arts, the performing arts, or any other yes. art form that a student may take up. So if a student has has a, has a deep interest in poetry, I think them, them put them in an extracurricular that is surrounded with students who have the same interest that is led by someone who is a, a very, very profound um, poet. If a student wants to wants to paint something up, even even if their their painting is not up to the standard of, of being marked, you know, put them in a class or put them in a in a room or on a on a virtual space with students who share the same interests so really and truly it's we want to see extracurriculars that stress on the arts and also extracurriculars that stress on leadership um because as members of the council we can see that you know in jamaica there there are certain students who who lead you know they, they, they all have they all kind of have a similar a similar look to them where they have you know they wear 20 badges they are at the forefront of the school but what about the students who don't necessarily have that same that same look to it but still have the capacity to lead in their various um in their various positions so we want to see we also want to see um activities that give a leadership positions to all students so it may be a, a minor leadership position or a major or a, or a big thing maybe that they're leading one person or they're leading a, a group of 50 people so mainly extracurriculars that stress on the arts and stress on positions of leadership so yeah, and I think this just goes into developing a more holistic human being. So it's exactly. not that you just come out of, and even if you don't choose to pursue the arts, just having had that experience is really, really beneficial. Exactly. As someone who's done acting courses in college and painting courses, 
I don't act and I do not paint for a living, but it's I now know that I enjoy painting and mm-hmm. it, it's soothing for me, yeah. you know. So I think that just having that exposure will go a long way for a lot of students. Definitely. The report also made note that the government should increase access to and coordination of and integration of the extracurricular activities in especially underperforming schools, particularly those with behavioral challenges and those located in zones of special operations. Um, you know, like we just said, like this, these kinds of skills and this kind of exposure will go a long way in any student's life. The NSC covers the primary level of the education system and the first three years of the secondary education system. Currently, a national assessment system exists for the NSC at the primary level, but none exists for the secondary level. At the secondary level, assessments are done at the end of grade 11 and following a two-year curriculum for the examination body. That would be grades 10 and 11. An opportunity exists for a national assessment program that spans all grades of the secondary education, such as an assessment program. Such an assessment program would consider micro-credentialing and include a range of stackable certifications that students can utilize to exist in the world of work or matriculate further into education. Certification would complement subjects being pursued or an extracurricular activity being an extracurricular activity the student is involved in. Can you talk about the commission's recommendations to pilot um, this framework, the framework governing the use of stackable certifications and micro-credentialing? It's a a good opportunity for students to gain prerequisites that they wouldn't necessarily gain within the classroom. That's that's the first thing. So let's say Mm -hmm. a a student is very, very proficient in communication. And when I say communication, I don't mean that they're able to write an amazing essay, I get 35 out of 35, but I mean that when the teacher observes them in class, communicating amongst their peers, it's as if, you know, the words that are coming out of their mouth are can be comprehended by anyone that comes in the classroom. So with this, a student can get the opportunity to, to, to get a certificate in, in like communication specialization skills, not just based on the student's academic performance in the language, but also their, their cumulative interactions with their peers. Another thing is that um, out of schools have, have peer counseling and it, it, would, it would be such an amazing opportunity for, for students to get certificates in peer counseling and I think this ties into something that you had mentioned earlier with mental health because it it can assess how a student responds to the needs of their peers and this does it speaks volumes and it does volumes for students because a lot of times there are certain students within the student body who can really connect with their peers and you know help them in the various problems that they may that they may encounter both within the school system and within the school and both at home another thing is is peer teaching uh, I think this this is probably yes. one of the most obvious ones, but other times only a student can teach another student. And I'm not saying that the teachers are not doing exactly what, what it is that they're supposed to do, but sometimes when a student actually comes to another student and explains to them a certain topic, it's just it's just as if wow, like they, they, they never thought they could understand it and they finally understand it. And, and students can be certified in peer teaching so that they can probably even start up their own two-turn services with this certification to prove that, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I can do this. So it's like the teachers can see the teachers can see how best a student is able to, to take the knowledge that they gained in class, reword it, you know, understand it and bring out that knowledge to other students that another student can understand. So it's they can... They can in um, communication certification, um, peer counseling, 
prerequisites and peer teaching prerequisites. So it's a, it's an amazing opportunity for students to not just gain um, their their external examination certificates, but also certificates that show what they have done within the classroom as a person and not just as a student. So yeah, and you know the report even goes on to mention that there are examples of secondary schools that facilitate this kind of intermediate mm-hmm. credentialing. For example, a heart certificate, but there's really no framework governing this. You know, under such a framework, these assessments and certifications would be recorded on a student's transcripts and would contribute to their qualifications post leaving high school. Um, They would be used as a qualification for higher education or, you know, within the working world. This presents an opportunity to harmonize and customize teaching learning and assessment, as well as giving a bit more flexibility to students to explore their competencies, their gifts and aptitudes on the way to the final high school assessment. Yeah. So the Ministry of Education has estimated that approximately 120,000 students have not been consistently engaged since the onset of COVID-19, giving rise to a learning gap in Jamaica. Um, Jamaica statistics show an approximate 211, 783 students are in our secondary school institutions. Um, Can you speak to some of the challenges that secondary school students are facing in the wake of COVID um, and make mention of kind of special interest given to high school students with physical and and learning disabilities? Definitely, definitely. So, um, some of the challenges secondary students, secondary school students are facing in the wake of COVID. Um, one of the main ones is, is really and truly maneuvering COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic while doing school online. I think everyone in the world, this is, this is very, well, it, it's, it's not so new anymore, but it, it still is very new. Um, so, so, yeah. so to be, so to be a, a, a child or a teenager while navigating the newness of being a child and a teenager, going through the internal changes and then having then being hit with this big external change around you. That's a, that, that, that in itself is very, very hard to kind of to, to guide yourself through it. So maneuvering that alone is it's a lot thing. And then adding on to that, you have to maneuver the COVID, COVID-19 pandemic while maneuvering the newness of online school. So it's just like everything is just so new. And, you know, usually when things are new, you make a lot of mistakes. And mm. so it's the newness, um, trying to maneuver the newness and making mistakes while trying to maneuver the newness and kind of staying stabilized through it all. That alone is a lot. Um, another thing is, is the digital divide. While also yeah. students are going back face to face, you know, there are still other schools who are doing a, a mixed modality in which some students go to school, some students um, stay home, or and, and some schools are still primarily online. And the digital divide has really been a setback to students who do not have the necessary resources to access the online platforms and this this can affect them in the years to come because let's say they don't have the necessary resources to access the online platform then they have to be pushed back a year and then what if they had intentions of going somewhere or helping their family after school so it kind of it this like small not even small but this situation right now that the digital divide is affecting students not just now but it's it, will affect them in the future um another thing is balancing school and their mental health i know for a fact yes. that a lot of students are are simply put they're not okay 
Um, they're stressed out, they're burnt out, they're tired, they're they're confused. You know, the crime rate is going up. So that's just a whole different discussion that students are trying to manage. And, you know, they're at home. And for all the students, school was their safe haven. Like, yes. going to school all the time, that was where they could breathe, where they could finally say, okay, I'm at school, I'm at, I'm at uh, my friends, I can be okay. And all of a sudden, we're stuck home with individuals who do not necessarily treat them with respect so that that that's that's another thing and some students although they have these although they're they're, they're at home with their loving families yeah. they're still not okay because it's 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 just everything is just so different and as i said they're trying to maneuver the covid 19 pandemic while doing online school or while doing face-to-face school and while while maintaining their their 4.0 gpas or you know whatever gpa that, that they have so this can kind of cause them to be burnt out. I mean, it's a very, very long list. But another thing is that um, the the mandates that have been implemented, all the students are not really for some of the mandates um, that have been implemented by the ministry. So that, that's putting out a stress on them while, you know, we're trying to sensitize them to these mandates. At, all, at the same time, students are still completely against some of them. I mean, another thing is that there's a lack of inclusion, and I think this can specific this can um, align with students, special interests to high school students with physical and learning disabilities. Lack of inclusion in certain key decision makings, because even as a member of, even as, a, as an executive of the National Secondary Students Council, we haven't heard a lot on how to to help or how to aid students with with physical and learning disabilities. So because because mm-hmm. there really is little to know inclusion of these students because because while we can make decisions on how to to go back to the normal for students who go to you know the, the students who go to the the top three traditional and non-traditional high schools you know what have we really done for students who who go to to high schools that make um certain provisions for them as a result of their states so it's uh so that that's a, a, another major thing and i and i know i know something that's a lot more recent is the the release of the, the the CXC timetable, our students are yes. a little bit confused because I know for our um, for secondary high schools, they started either in late October or early November. So that would have taken at least a month and a half to two months out of their, their term. And that's time that they could mm-hmm. have been learning the syllabus. And then they have exams coming up in April, May, June. And it's just like what we just started. Some of us are still in module one, module two. How are we going to do the exams, get a one? With the time that we have so it's, it's a very very long list of of of, of very of, of discrepancies that students are being faced with in the wake of covid yeah and you 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 brought up something that i wanted to touch on quickly about you know how students feel about um, certain mandates that are being implemented a, a recent world bank study of jamaica showed that the fiscal impact over and above what we're currently spending um to support the health and safety requirements for opening our schools is going to be anywhere from 2.4 to 3.9 billion annually for one to two years. Um, this includes the cost of re-enrollment campaigns, outreach activities, um, provided, providing targeted supports for, support for at-risk students, um, mitigating and preventing dropouts, facilitating remediation education to minimize learning loss, Um, At the start of the new school term on January 3rd, 2022, all pre-primary, primary and secondary schools have been allowed to facilitate face-to-face classes for this school term. What is the NSSC's position on face-to-face learning in Jamaica? I mean, I think it's, it's... 
generally we're, we're okay with it. We're happy with it because it's something that we have been pushing for quite some time to try and get students. The students who need to be back face to face, trying to get them back face to face. So it's, it's an amazing opportunity. At the core of it, 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 has, it has good intentions because we want to get the students who are left behind. We want them to, to, to really and truly to, 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 to catch up with their peers because these are students who have been especially impacted by the digital divide. But at the same time, you know, amongst all of this, this joy for being for being able to go back face to face there's still some some concern because you know while we're going back to school the covid um 19 numbers they're not decreasing so yeah. some students are still a little bit iffy and butty because they have to take the bus which is public transportation with other people that they're not familiar with and then come to yes. school interact with their peers who they don't know where they're coming from you know their home situation and so so it's like while um while they finally get to be amongst their peers and in the physical classroom and doing their labs or their food practicals or just whatever it is that they're doing face to face at the same time there's a little bit of a, a pull from it because it's it's there we're not completely certain on on how students are going to be impacted by covid not not just not just impacted by covid as in the digital divide or the mental health but literally impacted by the virus you know the students who are going to to contract the virus because i because i know it I, I, students have you know teenagers have contracted covid so it's, it's not a it's not a situation where we're immune to it so we're mm-hmm. there's still students who are do i want to use the word afraid yeah afraid um to, to a certain extent of, of being in the physical space while they're still excited to be in the physical space so it's a it's a it's it's a good situation and, and it's an uncertain situation because it's not bad because really and truly people have to leave their houses it's it's, it's not bad but it's 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 good and it's uncertain because at the same time students don't want to get covid Hi, I completely agree. I think the the general position of returning to face to face learning is a good one, you know, generally. But I think that there are several implementations that are lacking in the way that the ministry is currently conducting. There there's so many things that should be in place um, before, during um, face to face learning that I think isn't there. But I guess they're maybe they are testing, learning and adapting, we hope. Um, that at some point, some of these implementations will be put into place to better facilitate face-to-face learning. Yeah. So the, the Ministry of Education and Youth has launched the Yard to Yard Find the Child initiative, which will run until the end of March of this year, 2022. Um, the Education Ministry disclosed that 580 youth workers under the Housing Opportunity Production and Employment HOPE program and 108 social workers will be engaged to complete school-based teams in 478 public institutions island-wide to go yard to yard to find students and to re-engage them in learning. What, what is going to be the role of the NSSC in the Ministry of Education and Youth's Yard to Yard Find the Child initiative? Well, one of the main things that we are to do with them is to, to help them identify the students in the secondary um, secondary institutions who are not being engaged on the virtual platform. Because members of the executives, mm-hmm. we, we represent various regions. So we are in so we are in regions one to seven. We are in the regions. We are able to inter- interact with the, the students' councils of other schools to find out who are the students 
who are not being engaged on the online platform because really and truly in order for in order for the ministry to go yard to yard they need to know the yard and we can help them find yeah. um find the students who are not being to not being engaged so that's that really and truly that, that's one of our main um that's one of the main responsibilities that we have been assigned with as members of the executive as well as, as our president jamal hall i know he's in he's in contact with the with the ministry to ensure that so he he's the one that really sits on that board um mm-hmm. to really help them come up with various policies to enhance the rti the rti initiative so that's that's what we do as a council oh yeah um thank you for that and i'm really glad that they've decided to incorporate young people's voices in this because you would know more than anyone else who is and isn't in 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 classes because you're in these same classes as well um the six form pathways is a part of the education and youth ministries implementation of a seven-year high school program it allows for students who complete grade 11 to pursue a two-year course of study with alternative opportunities alongside the traditional six-form curriculum. The Ministry of Education has announced that for those who choose not to attend a tertiary education, the certification they receive at the end of the six-form pathways program will prepare them to enter various fields of work or to receive further general or technical training. Can you speak on the NSSC's position on the recently announced six-form pathways program outlined by the Ministry of Education? Sure. So the NSSC's perspective is, is re-entering the perspective of the students. So um, it's it mixed reactions, re-entering. Some students are, are fully embracing it because they had intentions of going to sixth form and, and some students are not for it at all, at all, at all. You know, the, the original reaction of students to the sixth form pathways program was really one of shock um, because we were, while we were introduced to it, you know, students relatively if you had bought it to see to, to, to see if it was actually going to become mandatory so mm-hmm. so however the, so but however there are many students who do see the benefits that the program will offer mm-hmm. because they, they because it gives them the prerequisites to take on more hands-on career paths such as carpentry or mechanic mechanic mechanics and also the students who may not have done so well in fifth form and would like to redo a few CSET subjects while also completing some yeah. camp subjects and learning some technical skills. So it does give students opportunities to gain prerequisites that they can really go into the working world right right after after perform. But at the same time, there's still the the financial gap there. Because mm-hmm. while the while stipends are to be provided to students to engage in various six-form programs at the same time we kind of yeah. have to take into consideration the fact that not all six-form programs are the same cost i mean you know if, if the if the stipend is seventeen thousand dollars and the six-form is seventy thousand dollars you know that's still a lot left for the student to take on their own so while it's an amazing opportunity yes it's it, it while at the core the opportunity has very very good intentions for the students at the same time it's is it the question still remains is is this for all students is this what is this what the students want because the nssc we actually did a study um we, we, we conducted a little bit of a, of a poll um to really get the students feedback because we have to stand by whatever the students say if the students say left then we go left if the, if the students say right then we go mm-hmm. right and w- when we conducted the poll it showed that majority of the students um majority of the students who did the majority of the students who did the poll and the poll consisted of 479 students all across jamaica 
and it, it took into consideration whether or not they reside in an urban 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 no, no community or a rural community what parish they go to the name of the school that they go to you know whether or not their school has a six form pathway program mm-hmm. who made the decision for them to enroll in a six form pathway program you know what area they would like to study what's their plan after six form and really and truly what's their take on the six form mandate and out of the 479 students that did the poll 73.3 percent of those students said no they don't want yeah. it so it's so we're we, we really have to take we're, we're really we're, we're while we're while we have to take the side the, the um the side of the students at the same time we're kind of trying to make them more familiar with the program mm-hmm. because i think all the times when people hear the six-form pathway program they think of the 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 traditional means of six form where you do you know you do five, five subjects you do the sciences you do math and you know it that's it but yeah. we're, we're trying to make them more aware of, of all the opportunities that it that it has not just for cave subjects but for other yeah. other um prerequisites prerequisites that they can gain but while some of them are aware of this at the same time 73.3 percent of the students are still not for it at all because some of them had their own plans after fifth form some of them wanted to leave uh, after fifth form some of them wanted to get a job with their CSET subjects some of them wanted to stay home and help their families because that's what they could do um, so it's, you know, yeah. as I said, the question still remains: Is it for everyone? While it's while it's a, it's a, it's an amazing opportunity for students to to become um, citizens, yeah. you know, participative citizens of Jamaica. Is it for everyone? Oh yeah, I think that's really the key. It's this seems, you know, this is a really great initiative. And the one thing you did bring up that I'd like to echo is the the cost of it all. You know, that seems to need a bit more working out and thought. While it is a great initiative, I, I don't know if it should be completely mandatory for all students. Like you said, there are students who have other plans and other ways that they would like to go about their, I guess, beginning of their adult life. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. I really, really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Yes. So um, again, thank you. Thank you, Daniel, for your time um, and the work that you do in advocating for students. I think that's really, really important. Um, This has been another episode of the Checkmate Political Podcast by Tenement Yard Media. Don't forget to check us out on social media. And that's on Twitter at Tenement Yard underscore and on our website at www.tenementyardmedia.com. And don't forget to share the podcast with a friend. You've just listened to Checkmate, a political podcast from Tenement Yard Media. We'd love your support to keep the show going. For as little as a dollar monthly on our Patreon at patreon.com slash tenementyardmedia, you can become a tenant and support us as we educate more people about West Indian politics, history, and sociology. That's patreon.com slash tenementyardmedia to pledge your monthly support or tenementyardmedia.com to make a one-time donation of your choice.